Welcome to Nobody Told Me That, your source for candid business talk and stories. Your host is speaker and author Teresa Duncan. Sit back, buckle up, and hang on. for another episode of Nobody Told Me That, and I am your host, Teresa Duncan. I am super, super, super excited. I have a real, like, in-the-flesh in the rock star here with us, and I call her a rock star because she has this company called Front Office Rocks, and she really has just, I mean, a couple of years ago, we knew who Laura Hatch was, but boy, did she just burst out of the scene, and she's everywhere. So I am so pleased to have my friend um, my colleague, fellow consultant, well, actually not much consultant, but fellow speaker for sure, Laura Hatch with me. Hi, Laura. Hey, Teresa. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited. This has been on my bucket list. So I'm glad we finally get a chance to talk. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm excited. And you know, just for the people who are listening, I kind of backtracked when I said consultant because you and I are of the same mind where we love the speaking, we love the interaction, writing, video, all that stuff. But when it comes to consulting, we both kind of just said, eh, pump the brakes, right? Yeah, that's definitely one of my things when I was looking to try to help offices and see what I could do. One of the things I said right away is I, I'm not a consultant. That's just not in my blood. And it's not what I love. I love training and speaking and, and talking about stuff. But um, yeah, so I, I kind of held off on that from the beginning. And I'm glad I did because there's so many amazing consultants, but we need we need help in other areas. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love being able to refer to really good consultants. And I, I take pride in the fact that the, the clients that I had I think I really helped, but I just knew, I knew that I was just going to die inside the more I did it. So good for you for knowing your limitations before you got into it. <laughs> well, I think also a lot has changed over the industry. And I'm sure we'll talk over the years and we'll talk about that. But like with the, the day and age we have right now, I mean, there's technology and podcasts and, and videos and they didn't have that 10, 15, 20 years ago. So a lot is changing, which was great for me because I started my business right, right at the right time for that. It is interesting though, because you... Um, in the past, you would have to speak to get business and then consult. And that kind of, that was the big money really was the consulting. And then you had to write in order to feed the speaking so that you keep being in the spotlight. And then you, the speaking, then the consulting, then the writing. And it was all big, a big cycle. And you're absolutely right. The blogging has come along and, you know, years ago and that kind of broke it. And then of course the podcast. And like you said, just being more visible with the internet. Um, how many, how many times do you think a week do you have someone saying, how do I do what you're doing? I want to be a consultant. I want to be a speaker. And you're like, wait, you have no idea. It's not the same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I have it. Yeah. I mean, between that and office manager saying I had the same idea you had, but I just didn't do it. Um, you know, <laughs> not the same anymore. And, and it's been a lot of back end work and, and yeah, but it's, it's different now. I mean, I, broke into the industry using social media. I mean, I, I didn't, I, I got my speaking opportunities from social media videos. I was interviewed on podcasts because they saw a social media video. So I used the internet and our connections on social media to really get the word out about front office rocks and what I'm trying to do. That's awesome. And so how long did you have the idea of front office rocks before you actually deployed? That's funny. Um, probably since I started, um, my background's actually uh, human resources training and organizational development. So I was in corporate America before I got into dentistry. Um, I got into dentistry because I was married to a dentist. So of course, you know, I'm the spouse, come on in and help run the practice. 
Mm-hmm. And when I got in, there was no real way to learn. I mean, I remember going and seeing great speakers like you and Linda Miles and Lois Banta. And that's how I learned um, there. You know, I'd read articles, but we didn't really have a good way to train new employees and train in the office. And so I've, I've had something percolating in my head since I started in dentistry um, in 2002, but it really kind of jump started, you know, 2010, 11, 12 especially as I was talking to dentists who kept telling me, I can't find anyone good up front. I can't find anyone. And I say, I kept saying, you don't need to find someone with dental experience. We can teach mm-hmm. them dental experience. You know, we could teach them about teeth and insurances and all of that, but we need, you just need someone with a good personality who's a troubleshooter and hard worker. And they said, okay, great, but how are we going to train them? And that's really when I, I was like, you know, there's got to be a way to help dentists train new employees. And that's really when front office rocks got its launch was, I was trying to find that, solve that problem for dentists. So if you had to make up an employee, like um, ingredients list kind of, um, and you had to have like the, the, the ingredients are smart, friendly, willing to learn dental. So what's your, what's your mix? Like, what do you prefer? You know, a lot of it is, um, and I'm, I'm actually writing my second book right now, and the book is on hiring because that's the next step, I think, to help dentists is we don't really, you know, my background was in, I had a recruiting uh, job before, and so I know how to recruit, and a lot of dentists have never been trained in that. So, um, you know, it really depends on the role you're hiring for. I mean, are you hiring for someone who's going to be your insurance coordinator? That's going to be a very different type of a personality than the receptionist. Um, but you're dead on in the sense that you need somebody who's a troubleshooter who can multitask in the front. We do 17 things at once. Uh, you need someone who can put a smile on their face easily, even if they're ready to pull their hair out. Um, mm-hmm. And really somebody that you can see yourself working next to because that's who your patients are going to work with. If they have the right attitude and they, and they can troubleshoot and they can, they can make decisions and problem solve we can teach them everything else. So um, it really, you know, and then it depends on the position. It also depends on your, the makeup of your team. Do you have a lot of, you know, in, introverted people and you need somebody extroverted to, to kind of balance the team out? So there's a, a couple of different variables, but having Dentrix experience or EagleSoft experience is not necessary. It's a plus potentially, but it's not sure. necessary. So I just had a, I had Kevin, you know, Kevin Henry, I just had a, uh, Kevin on as a, as a host, or uh, he always co-hosts with me. And uh, we were talking about the DISC profiles and he's now um, certified to do DISC. And uh, I know years ago I did DISC, but I also, I took a ton of Forte tests and I was certified at one point, but I didn't do anything with it. So Forte was another one that kind of gave you the, the idea of, you know, this is the type of person you want to hire to fit this role. Like they had all these profiles and, and all that. Do you, do you use any of that? Do you, have you found them useful? Um, I do think they're helpful. I mean, my whole education and training is around, you know, personality profiles. I don't think they're the end all be all like, you know, this person was this profile, so they're going to be a perfect fit. There's a lot mm-hmm. of different variables that come into that. But I definitely think it can help, especially if you are trying to add to a team um, or a certain type of position. It's just one more step to try to make sure that you're hopefully hiring the right kind of person. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And I know um, it's very easy to take a test and then try to slide that person in. So I, I agree with you. There's definitely there's got to be other to other things to it. And, you know, what if you end up with a whole bunch of the same personality in the office and, you know, who's going to be yeah. the leader, right? <laughs> I, I actually think I mean, a lot of that is I just recently did some training with um, Chris Phelps. I'm not sure. Dr. Chris Phelps. Mm-hmm. He 
he focuses on Colby and Colby isn't it's K O L B E. And it's not specifically on personalities as much as how you process work, how you go up against an issue or, or a project. And everybody's different on how they do that. And I loved that idea because for team building, you know, you already have your team, you have your assistants, your hygienists, your, your front office team. But how do they work together? And maybe one person has to see projects all the way through before they can start the next one, where someone like me can have 70 things going all, you know, 70 different projects and I can make things happen. So whatever you're using, I think it's great as long as you're implementing it and talking about it in the office. Because I think so many times our clinicians and our front office teams, we're focused on our role. You know, here's my computer and I have to work on the schedule. Here's yeah. my patient. This is what I do today. But how often do we pick our heads up and as a team go, how do we flow as a team? How do we work together? How can I, you know, communicate better with you so you get an understanding of what I'm saying to you? So any one of those that will help you open communication up with your team, I think, is is a huge asset. The whole team building thing is very interesting to me because I find, uh, you know, I started I've started asking in, in some of my management courses, how many of you have had an actual team building event in your office? And like, it's such a small, small amount of people that raise their hands. And it's not just because they're shy, like they're just not, I don't I, I think as consultants or speakers, we think that the industry is doing a lot of team building. But I don't know if that's true. Am I wrong? Or do do you have a different sense of what? What kind of team building is going on out there? You know, I agree with you. And I think, and I'm not to like, we've heard this, you know, repeat a broke, you know, what's been said over and over again, but it's, I think it's because the dentists have not been trained on the importance of team building. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the big things I'm talking about this year is culture, how important the office culture is. And you say the word culture and a dentist goes, what? Like, what is that? (laughs) We never taught that. And the culture is your brand. It's how your patients feel. It's how your team feels. Um, and I and I just think that they didn't teach a lot of that in dental school. Um, you and I didn't go to office manager university to learn the importance of this. You know, no. we're all we're all working in a dental office trying to do the best we can. But the idea of taking a break from production to do some sort of event just is so foreign, I think, to a lot of a lot of teams and dentists. And if we can get that the word across, if your team is collaborating and working better together, you're going to get a, a more production in the long run. Well, and and you don't have that burnout. You know, there's there's right. just, our employees are our dentists are not the only ones who burned out. I mean, you had assistants who are on the go and their bodies break down over time. I mean, being an office manager is hard on the bottom. I've always said that, like our butts just get bigger and bigger, right? Because we don't move very many places. But for an assistant, it tends to, I mean, they really do run like crazy. And then poor hygienists, they're like, they're, I mean, their arms are always crooked in one area, you know, like there's just, yeah. so it's hard on the body and it, you just need to let your team go out, blow, blow off some steam and, mm-hmm. you know, complain about the patients in a good natured manner. And then you go back to being, you know, excellent people. But I, I definitely am, it, it saddens me. And I, I, I ask the audience that just so that there's awareness that, you know, it is possible mm-hmm. actually to go out and, and do some of that kind of stuff. Um, but you know- Go ahead. One of the biggest change, one of the biggest changes I did in my so one of my big reasons for team building, like you're saying, besides you know just giving them a break, is also to lift our head out of our own little environment in the dental office that we're in and and look at the bigger picture, look at the entire team. How do we work together? What do you need from me? What do I need from you? And one of the big changes I did in my office, which I loved, and it really changed that whole culture for us, was wearing 
walkie talkies, wearing headsets, you know, where we communicated to each other about things going on in the practice and the flow, you know, your patients here, we're ready for a checkup or a checkout, you know, we need an exam. And we started to think more like one mind instead of individual departments, individual employees. Um, and that was really, it took a lot to implement it. But once we did, it really sort of changed that mentality too of like, I'm hygiene, I'm an, you know, I'm a hygienist, you're an assistant. So that was a big change for us when it came to, and there was some fun with that, you know, something was said and everybody's kind of giggling, even though we're all across <laughs> the dental office, everybody hears the funny thing that was said. Not a lot, but right. it was, it was another way to, I think, bring in that team building environment. So when you implemented it, what was the big pushback? Well, we tried to make the doctors wear it. Couldn't do that. So the doctors never wore it. They, they just they did focus. And so we, we tried it for a couple of days. Didn't work. Um, the other thing is, is that there's a balance between enough communication and not, and not too much communication. So we had to train on this. So like if an assistant, let's just say as, as an example, would say, hey, I need some help turning over a room. And maybe another assistant standing right there and just says, oh, I'll help you and jumps in. The rest of the office didn't know that that assistant got the help she needed. Got it. So we had to talk about communication where you, and when you put out a communication, somebody had to respond. So we knew it was taken care of or it was heard. But on the flip side, you can't, you know, we, we were having, you know, front office people going, let me give you the insurance breakdown from your patient so they can have a hundred percent, you know, oh, wow. and that was too much. So there was a balance of what what could be said um, versus what needs to be you know communicated on your computer or whatever. But once we got it down, I mean, it was it took about a week or two of practice. We had some you know meetings and stuff, but after that, it just flowed super well, and and we all worked together and jumped in, and it made the day go really well. I always thought it was really neat to have those little earpieces and be able to talk. Um, you know, it just, just for fun. I just thought it would be fun, but I can imagine if you're not really loving the people you work with, it could be awful. Like there's her voice again, you know? <laughs> well, it's funny. I actually, um, and we could probably go on for hours about all this stuff. I actually could feel when there was drama between people mm. via the headset, like you could hear, you know, somebody asked for, you know, could you help me perio chart? And, oh, sure, I'll be right over, you know. And then somebody else goes, help me perio chart. And they're like, I'm on my way. And you can hear it. And I'm like, There's a problem between these two. We need to sit down and talk about it. Um, because, yeah, if you can hear. I mean, nonverbal is it comes off so much stronger than your, what you actually say. It's how you say it and, and the way you say it. So it was it was definitely it helped us make sure that we were working well together as, as a team. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, and, and, you know, it's, you said that you were writing a second book. So do you, can I like give you a little bit of fire under there? Like where, when, when should we expect this second book? Like, what are you looking at? Oh my goodness. It's funny. It's like, um, I'm sure you felt this way with your book. It's like, um, a major thesis, you know, hanging over me. Mm. Like it's all in my head, but it's got to come out. So I'm about a little over halfway done with my book. Um, my last book just, um, uh, just, I just launched a, about a year ago, January of last year. And so I'm thinking probably January of next year. So about a year from now, I'm, I'm hopeful that I can get it all done before the end of this yeah, year. So I've been meaning to talk to you about this book of yours, Laura. So when you told me you were writing a book, because you're, you are all about customer service. You're all about treating the patient with respect. You're all about office manager, like you know, building them up and really just making them rock stars. And so when you told me you were writing a book, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be like an office manager, like love story book. Like, you know, I'm going to read it and have like my halo of office managerial, you know, stuff come up, you know. 
And um, I read it, and your book is called Step Away from the Drill. So I want if you don't have this book, you need to go get this book. But the book is written as if you're telling the dentist what they need to know about the practice and how important the manager is to that. So in essence, it is a love letter to managers, but you, you went, you went a different direction. And I, at first I was like, Laura, what are you doing? And then the more I read it, I was going, Oh, I get it. I totally get it. So, I mean, the book, the book is awesome. I can't, if you don't have it, you need to go get it. If you've read my book, there's no reason you need to read this book because it's in sort of the same vein. Um, but I, I love how you just kind of laid out all of the different roles, functions, and then you had a whole big section on accountability, which, um, I mean, I was kind of cheering when I read it because I think accountability is the number one thing that not just dentists, you know, they don't hold themselves accountable, but also managers, managers, when they get to a point where they've been doing this long enough, they kind of don't hold themselves accountable. Do you want to Talk about that for a little bit and why was that so important to bring that in? Um, yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Um, and it's funny, I didn't know you were looking for the office manager halo, but that's <laughs> that's really funny to hear. Um, so part of the reason, just kind of backstory, part of the reason that I started Front Office Rocks is because I felt after being in the dental industry as long as I had that, the front office didn't get the, the respect, the training, the understanding that the rest of the team did. Um, de- and it's because clinically dentists understand what dental assistants should be doing. They understand what hygienists should be doing. That's easy for them to manage. But the front office is really hard for a dentist to manage in many, in many ways because they've never been trained in that area. So they walk by and they think we're saying the right things or they think we're doing the right things. But there's no way for them to know because nobody's ever trained them. And what I wanted to do with Front Office Rocks and my goal is to turn us into rock stars. And there's three people that need to understand that we're rock stars. One are the patients. You know, our patients need to go, oh, my gosh, I love that office. The receptionist is amazing. The scheduler is so awesome, whatever. Mm -hmm. The second is for the front office to become rock stars. So for us, which is where the training comes in and all of my training is why is this important and why do we do these things? But then lastly, it's for the dentist to realize that we're rock stars. And it's really hard for the dentist to understand we're rock stars if they don't know what we're supposed to be doing. If they don't know, you know, how great we are or how great we've been doing things. So I wanted to close the gap between the dentist and the front office team so that the dentist could either get the education they need on what we do up front or at least build a bridge so they can help, you know, not that I need them to know how to check every insurance claim or com- confirm every appointment, but they need to know what we should be doing. And so that was kind of my, you know, I named it Step Away from the Drill in a humorous way because I feel so many dentists go to production to fix their practice. And my my point is step away from the drill, just like having team building meetings, also step away and learn what you should be expecting from your front office team and open up that communication um, because you're not going to fix it all with production. And so the reason I have accountability in there is just from my experience of working with many dentists and many team members, you know, um, accountability is huge. If you're, you're the leader of your organization and if you're expecting your team to do X, Y, Z, then you better be able to do it too. And you better be able to hold yourself accountable to hold them accountable. I also have a chapter on communication and the importance of communication. Um, I have an implementation guide that goes along with it. So my hope was to not only open up the window or open up the what we should be doing in the front, but kind of boost the doctor up a little bit and say, hey, you know, if you want 
you want more out of your front office team and you want to help them become rock stars, you need to step up a little bit too, I think, as the leader of your company. Well, and I know uh, when I talk about insurance, for example, um, dentists will come up afterwards because I know a lot of them, they don't want to ask me the question in the middle. And of course, maybe they have their team member there, but they'll ask me which now, which report is it, which I don't know where to get to the reports and all of that. Um, So say you're a dentist who wants to, you know, they read your book, they want to get in and they want to start taking uh, responsibility for their practice. What are the resources other than front office rocks? Because of course, that's where, I mean, I think dentists could get a lot out of it as well. But are there any other resources that you have for them? Do you think that they need to get software training? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't, just like I used to talk to our doctors, just like I'm not going to go back and actually do a filling on a patient. I better know all the steps and be able to talk to a patient about it and the benefits of it and how it works and all of that should be the same for the dentist. And nowadays, just like we said in the beginning, there's so many resources with technology. I mean, podcasts and webinars go on YouTube. You know, there's a ton of videos on YouTube from all different, you know, consultants, speakers, trainers, um, that you can watch them for free. I think software is huge, which, um, you know, that's a whole nother subject. I think that we don't really train well and understand our practice management software. I think we only use maybe 50% of the, of the software and it was developed to help us as an, you know, help us improve our practices and be efficient. Um, so, so reaching out to support, looking at the FAQs. Um, many times I think we, and this is just overall, I say the front office team does this too. We walk across the office to ask somebody else the question versus trying to find it out ourselves. Yeah. And there's two problems with that. One, you're not going to learn that way. You know, you need to be able to find the resources yourself. So go on, you know, all of them have like chat features now or FAQs. Find the answer out yourself because you're going to learn. Secondly, many times we ask questions to somebody that might not know the real answer, might not give you the right answer. Maybe they do it a shortcut way that's not the best way. And that's not going to help you learn. So, you know, taking responsibility and and saying, okay, you know, I need to learn this area better. Not that you need to know how to submit every claim or call on the insurances, but you need to understand how to get to that number and and see what your, you know, AR report looks like or your outstanding insurance claims look like. Because at the end of the day, it's your name on the wall. I mean, you... You, this is your business. Mm-hmm. You should understand the, you know, the KPIs, the important numbers of your practice. The KPI, of course, key performance indicator for somebody who's um, clinical and not quite sure what we're talking about. The um, the other thing is, I, I really appreciate doctors who do make the effort to to learn. So I think if you are if you are a doctor and you haven't read this book, I do. I think it's so essential. Uh, it's it's one of I want to jump in on that. Huh? The one thing I've noticed, which I think is awesome, sorry, but just I, there's so many, so many knocks about millennials, millennials, millennials. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you that my the newer dentists coming out of dental school who are clients of Front Office Rocks, I notice when they sign up that they're binge watching um, the videos, which. I think that's great because I feel like I, I would rather have a dentist know the basics of what should be going on on the front. And if you want to watch all the videos over a week period to know what's going on, great, because I think there's a lot of other dentists who didn't do that or haven't done that. And then they really don't know what's going on up front. So um, just on a side note, I think that's a whole nother thing, too, is just getting the knowledge. And there's no excuse to, to not be able to get it at this point. You know, I, 
I love the energy of some of these new dentists. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, veteran dentists, you know, they've got knowledge and all of that. But the, the energy where they're <laughs> a new dentist will come up to me and say, what do you think about me buying pizzas for everybody who moves into the area for the next six months? And like the excitement is just like <laughs> out of this chart. And you're like, wait, it's OK. Hold on. Hold on. So the, the but I love the fact that they think outside the box as far as marketing. It's not their traditional um, let's send an email, let's send a newsletter and, and all of that. There's been some real fun um, marketing coming out. And I, I just, I appreciate their energy. Uh, so the new it's, and you know, the whole millennial thing, I, I find that awesome that you said that because I hear all the time from managers our age that are always complaining about these young people nowadays. Um, <laughs> you know, these young people nowadays, and it just cracks me up because you know, we were that way too. So it, I, I think we just need to be a little bit more patient about it. It's, it's just funny. Yeah. So let's look at something I wanted to, t- well, I wanted to talk to you about the, there's one thing in the book and it was about reporting. And you and I have talked about new patients before, like, you know, for those of you who are listening, Laura and I are friends, you know, outside of this. And so we talk about a lot of stuff and although we have a lot of fun. We talk about personal stuff. It always comes back to business because I think we just love business so much. Um, one of the things we've talked about is the the fact that the marketing, yes, they may be attracting the patients, but you mentioned something interesting that they're not really tracking the um, the people who are leaving. So your your whole thing is, yeah, new patients are great, but what about the patients that you've got? So talk about that a little bit because I, I you get real passionate about it. I definitely do for sure, and and. And a lot of it for me, I kind of had a gut feeling about it. Um, but even in my own practice, until I got um, a wake up call, I would say, by looking at metrics and true numbers of the practice, I didn't realize that we had a retention problem in our office. So um, I started working with Dental Intel, which is a, a software that is, um, they do metrics to show you how your practice is doing in all different KPIs, like you said, the key performance indicators to let you know, how is your case acceptance? How, how are you guys with reappointing patients? You know, how many new patients are you getting? How many patients are you losing? And interestingly enough, not just my practice, but the majority of dental offices in the United States are losing, meaning patients are becoming inactive. So 18 months or longer, and maybe your numbers are a little different, but still they're not coming into your practice at a higher number than the amount of new patients you're bringing in. So for me, you know, a lot of dentists, and you were talking about marketing a minute ago, they're about the new patients, new patients. And I I hear the teams when I talk to them, my doctor wants more new patients. How can we get more new patients? Which is great. New patients are super important. But if you're losing patients out the back door at a higher rate than what you're gaining in the front door, your office is actually shrinking. And we haven't really spent a lot of time looking at that. I think it's a hard number to pull out of a practice management software. And there's not a really good way to compare, you know, apples to apples with our practice management softwares. But with something like a Dentrix, you can actually see month to month how much are you gaining overall patients versus losing patients. And then beyond that, what do you do with that? You know, I as soon as I realized that we were losing more patients than gaining, we did a whole reactivation program and we focused more on getting those patients back in. I had everybody on the phones. We were doing everything we could because we didn't realize, you know, a patient didn't appoint or maybe they canceled and they sort of ended up on our overdue recare list. And then they sort of ended up, and next thing you know, it's been two years and they haven't been in the practice. So it's a big passion of mine right now because I think the main two issues with why we're losing patients is we don't have good systems in our offices. 
or we're not giving them amazing customer service. And nowadays, people are expecting, they're expecting us to get, you know, amazing customer service. We're not just, they're not expecting average anymore. And so we really need to focus on anybody can provide average. That's, I mean, honestly, that's, that's easy to deliver. I mean, you pretty much are dialing it in and you're, you're giving average. Um, so, so if you're a manager uh, or a dentist and you're suspecting that this is happening, you said there were some things that, that you noticed and you mentioned, you know, um, not reappointing and all of that. What's the, what's the little red flags that kind of throw you off? Um, with regards to well, the numbers see, thinking, that, that I'm thinking seeing. you may have a retention problem. Oh, well, I mean, first of all, if you're, I mean, if your schedules, if you've been in practice five, 10 years and you haven't added hygiene days, um, huge red flag. Um, if you, you know, if you're so focused on new patients and, and, you know, benefits and all that, but you're not calling on recare overdue recare, if you're not reactivating patients, um, if you're not having discussions around that, um, if, if you're not doing a good job, you know, I, I, I was in an office. So like we said, I'm not a consultant, but I, I've been in a couple of my friends offices. You say, come just observe. And I was like, oh, kicking and screaming, but I went in <laughs> and I was in an office and there, they were filling out their forms at the end of the day. And, and their form was for the consultant that they work with. And, and the form, they filled out how many patients left today with their next appointment. And they only had 65% that scheduled their next appointment. How they got a half a patient, I don't know. But 65% that scheduled their next appointment. And I said, oh, okay, well, what's your goal with that? And she said, 95%. And I said, oh, so you guys didn't make your goal? She says, no. And I said, well, what do you do with this number? She said, well, we faxed this form to the consultant. And I said, okay, but then what do you do with the number afterwards? She says, we put it in the binder. And the next time he comes, we talk about it. And so for me, it's like, well, what's the point of knowing that you have something not working and then not doing anything about it. But I think almost everybody, just like doctors think they're closing 95% of the cases, we're thinking that 95% of our patients are reappointing and we're not, you know, we're busy. Things happen. The day goes on and it's five o'clock and you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. right. But did you actually do that? Did you get these patients to a point? And, and really looking at, looking at the numbers and finding out where you are is the beginning step of trying to improve. It's kind of like until you step on the scale after the holidays, you don't know <laughs> where you are to know, okay, it's time to get serious again and try to lose weight or, or improve right. my health. It's the same thing. For the office. So it's interesting. The whole, when you were talking about the, the dashboard and we talked about dashboard actually on this, on before this call. So that's why it's on my mind. But when you were talking about the filling it out for the consultant so the consultant can review it, you know, you and I have both been in offices and we both worked with consultants. And I just think of all the large amount of time I spent as a manager filling out all of those forms and trackers and accountability um, sheets. And it's just, it boggles my mind. I think I, I hate thinking about it because I can't, all I can think about is all the stuff I could have done in that time. Um, so now right. we've got the, these dashboards that, you know, the, the software programs have them. I know they're all coming up with something, but you have one that you really like. I know you, you talked about dental Intel before. And is there one, is there one thing about it that like you wouldn't go back like if you if they were trying to take it away from you, you would be like kicking and screaming about. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think so when I was not when I was managing the office and when I was starting to pull out uh, to run front office rocks, you know, throughout the day, I could log in and see how things were going in the practice by having, you know, a metric software. And I would, you know, text the doctors and say, hey, what's you know, what's the front office team doing? And I would hear they're busy. 
I walked up front and they're all busy. Okay, great. What are they working on? Well, they're busy. (laughs) Well, there's a difference between being effective and productive and busy. And we can get busy in the front, just like we get busy in the back. But does that make it productive? So the thing that I love is that with like dental intel, for example, not only will it tell us, okay, we only pre-appointed 65% of our patients. So, you know, 35% walked out without an appointment, but I can actually see a list of patients' names. Here's the ones that appointed and here's the ones that didn't. And so as a dentist or an office manager, it's not just a percentage anymore. It's actual patient names. Here are the seven people you need to call and get back into the schedule. Here are the, you know, the X amount of patients who are about to become overdue or about to become inactive, get them back in here. So it pulls out of our software. I mean, you can get this in the practice management software, but I remember back in the day with like the reactivation list, we print the 10 page Mm -hmm. long report and then we pass it around when people had time and you'd put your notes in and we never finished the report because it was a piece of paper and we got busy and There was no way to see we really made headway through that list. And this is just a way to say, okay, here's the patients that, you know, need a phone call for this reason. Here's who's going to call them, do it. And the doctor can say, okay, that got done because we need to be productive with our calls. We don't have a lot of extra time. So what are we doing and why are we doing it? And this really helps us direct the team and show the results of of their effort. So one of the things with calling the the list (laughs) was we would cherry pick who to call, right? Like whenever I was, you know, we would ask, you know, here's the, everybody comes in in the morning, free day. So let's work on reactivation. And everybody would want to call the same people. Nobody would want to call the more difficult people. So I, I think you have to be real firm about that. I think as a manager and, you know, you can't be cherry picking and calling everybody calling Mrs. Jones the you same know, day. She's be overwhelmed. Yeah. We actually had two issues with that too. We had one where, well, what I would do is start at the beginning of the list or the end of the list. And then what I realized is nobody ever got called in the middle of the list. So like the H's, <laughs> the, the S's never got called. And then the second thing we realized um, when, after we got in and started really looking at the numbers was we had a, a hygiene coordinator for a while that she was deciding to inactivate the patients who were the difficult ones. Like, oh, I've called them once before. I'll just inactivate them. We, we did not realize that she had inactivated. I think it was over 200 patients just because... You know, they gave her a little pushback. She didn't really like them or whatever. We would have caught that had we had something like dental intel at that point, because we didn't realize until they weren't coming up on our reports anymore. And we're like, where are these patients? And they had been inactivated. So, you know, that was running it reactively, not proactively for sure. So, so any dentists who are listening on the call, and I don't have to say this to managers because I know the thought has gone through all of our heads, right? Like we just, oh, I don't want to call that person. So when so dentists, when you hear about this stuff that is beyond your control, unless you're tracking it, this is a very real behavior. <laughs> this is very real. Uh, it, the temptation to close out a claim without you know investigating it, so because it's easier to just close it out rather than appeal it. The temptation to not call Mrs. Jones because she's going to be a pain in the butt. That's that's real. Right. Um, I, I remember one office I was in, and the they always seem to finish early. They always seem to the last patient of the day always had some reason there was always a cancellation. Well, it turns out she was putting in fake patients so that she could, they could be done early. (laughs) My favorite is is when you talk to the team and they go, there's no one else to call. 
There's no more patients to call. I'm like, there's an opening in the schedule tomorrow. There's no more patients to call. There's always a patient to call. <laughs> like that's a red flag. If you're if your team's saying there's no one else to call, then we you need some training because there should well, always be someone to call. Then get off your butt and go down to Starbucks and hand out some business cards. Right. Like there, you know, something. There yeah. is always something to do. There is always a patient. And unless you're unless you opened last week. You know, there's, there's yeah. gotta be other things to do. So I, I think that's hilarious. I knew you would get fired up about that. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were a manager, because I love talking to, to managers kind of that are more veteran, kind of like my age rather than the younger ones, because they Careful haven't developed. Now. We're still the young uh, You know, right? you, you and I, we're, we're not so bad for our age, you know, but we are, we're not, we're not millennials, you know? So, right. um, but was there a favorite task that you had, like one thing that you would look forward to? What was your favorite part of being a manager? Oh, my gosh, that's a great question. And I actually talk about this when I when I'm speaking, when I do like full day front office trainings. Um, I love the schedule. I if you give me a schedule and you give me some goals and you get cancellations and no shows and all of that, I love doing the schedule. But when I talk about that, I'm also really competitive. You know me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really competitive and I love games and puzzles. Um, I have a puzzle that's always going on in my house. And when I need a few minutes, I'll get a cup of coffee and do some of the puzzle. That's what, a, that's what the schedule is. I mean, it's a game. It's a puzzle. It's competition. And so the right scheduler, not that everybody in the front office can't help and be part of you know scheduling patients, but a real rock star scheduler is going to have that that game mentality, that competition. And, and that's the person that's going to work, you know, to the last minute to try to fill a last minute opening or to hit the production goal for the day. So that ultimately was way on the top of my list versus maybe on the top of your list, which, which was dealing with insurances. <laughs> I, know, I, can't, I can't explain it. I, <laughs> you and I are like our yang to our yang when it comes to, you know, what, what our fortes are. It's funny. So, so, so insurance is the one that you wouldn't do. Cause I'm, I was going to ask the follow-up is what is, what is the job that you were like, Oh no, it's that time. Um, I think honestly, for me, it was verifying insurance benefits and I still, I'm on a hunt to find a solution for that. I mean, there are some options out there. There's some outsourcing and stuff, but to have to call every time we had a new patient and get the breakdown of benefits and deal with them on, I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't know where they get some of these insurance people that answer the phones and mm. having to ask the questions. And then when you get done and then the doctor's like, oh, can you check the history on something? And you're like, really? I just got <laughs> off the phone for 45 minutes and not, you know, so that yeah. was just the, the tone. I mean, it's like some of those people, I just wanted to reach through the phone and strangle them. Like, <laughs> where did I find you guys? So I mean, I empathize for sure with anybody who has frustrations with insurance and, and that. Well, and I, I think right now the only option is outsourcing it. I, I, and I think it's such a waste of time to have somebody dedicated on the phone to do nothing but calling verification um, yeah. and eligibility. I, I truly believe that, which maybe five years ago, I wasn't so staunch on it, but there's just too many companies out there that do it well and are affordable. And, you know, my thing is always, I don't, if it keeps one person out of the office that is just on the phone, you know, I, if that person isn't going to be on the phone calling patients, then I don't need them on the phone. I can pay somebody to be on the phone somewhere else. Um, And then I don't have to add one more person into the mix because as you know, HR just dealing with coworkers just the personalities and, and all of that. If I don't have to add somebody into the mix for that, I'm awesome. I'm so happy with that. 
Yeah, we actually started outsourcing the last year before I was out of the office, um, mostly because, um, you know, I was leaving and the doctors weren't really watching that area. And I thought the best thing to do is to really, you know, outsource it to another company. And it was the best decision we ever made. And one of the things that I found besides what you were talking about is also it really changed the mentality of my front office team when they weren't so focused on insurance because they weren't the ones on the phones for so long. Um, mm-hmm. when they weren't verifying the benefits, when they weren't calling on outstanding insurance claims, when they weren't fighting the insurance company, they became a little less insurance driven, which is one of my things I talk about. Like, let's not be insurance. Let's not be so focused on insurance. So giving it to a third party company outside of the office allows your team to focus on what's important, which is customer service, the schedule, you know, new patients and, and recare and reactivation and all the things that your team should be doing, let somebody else handle the insurance. Yeah, no, I, I think I think a lot of doctors don't realize the the side effects of that. I think you're right. It takes away the, there's a lot of pressure on a, on a person who's calling on benefits and eligibility because if they get it wrong, then it comes down on them. Um, mm-hmm. and, and let's face it, sometimes the information we get is bad. So mm-hmm. I'd rather it be in the hands of a company who can right away spot, okay, no, that doesn't sound right. Let's, let me, let's run through this again. Let me give you that number again. I'd rather it go to that than, and gosh, I, th- I love that you said that. So you're saying that your team became less insurance minded because it wasn't in their heads 24 seven. Yeah. So they, I mean, think about it. You know, if I have a new patient coming in, if I just invested 40 minutes on the phone, I've got the breakdown of insurance. I typed all the insurance in patient comes in. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more about their insurance than I am about them. I'm already kind of just like one of my pet peeves. And what I talk about with answering the phones when I train is if you're asking the patient at the beginning of a new patient phone call, what insurance you have, that means you're putting insurance first. So if you're asking about insurance, then you're verifying the insurance. And then we're, we're, we're just making insurance part of the conversation. And we're doing that. It's not even the patients doing that. We're starting that relationship that way. So I had just found that when I didn't have somebody just dedicated to insurance and, and my team focused on insurance so much, they sort of, I mean, it's not that we have to forget it because it's part of dealing with our patients, of course, but they just didn't make it such a high priority in the discussion about case acceptance and new patients and all of that. Okay. So let's, so when you were talking about stepping out of the office and how you knew you weren't going to be there, is that because you were going on the road more? Because I, yeah. So front office rocks kind of started as a hobby. It was a side, you know, I was running the office and running front office rocks and, and it was small. And then all of a sudden it just started to blow up. I think I found a I found something that's needed in the dental offices. And so I had to make the decision, you know, do I stay in the office or do I grow what I have? And so I made the conscious decision in about over a year process, you know, handed everything off, got everybody trained so I could go run front office rocks. So when you so you started really speaking, um, how many years ago? Oh, geez, I think I probably started speaking in 2013 ish for study clubs and stuff. Yeah. Have you noticed anything? Because one, I love talking with other speakers because it's funny the things that we see that maybe meeting planners don't see, and I don't think also attendees sometimes don't because they don't they're not in the business. They just show up for the courses. But do you see anything happening with our business? Do you see any trends with attendance or types of courses? Anything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, even just from when I started speaking, and and I mean, I don't do. I've done some big meetings. I'm speaking with you soon and at Yankee, so yeah. I'm getting myself there, but. Overall, just in general, I think meeting attendance is down, not not only in our industry, but in every industry. 
Um, I think that um, I actually saw somebody present at National Speakers Association a year or two ago, and every organized group is having problems with attendance, even, you know, religion and churches and, and conferences, because there's so much knowledge now available on the internet. Um, so I do see that, you know, the conference attendees are down. However, I don't think it's a huge factor. I think that a lot of doctors still understand that CE is great, but it's also a team building. It's a great time to take your team away and work on your team and have them learn and grow. So um, I am seeing a lot more going online. I've actually done a couple presentations live on Facebook at a couple conferences, um, mm-hmm. which is, I think, one of the ways that things are going because you can get CE online. Um, so I think that's going to be a competition. I guess my thing is, is there's a there's a reason for conferences. Bring your team, learn face to face, get to come up and talk to the speakers, ask questions, different dynamic. But don't wait for that just to be the only CE you do. There's availability online now to learn so many things. So don't don't stop your training and your ability for your team to get knowledge just for the conferences, but there's a place for both. There is. It's really interesting because I, I have always said to my doctor, you know, when I was in the office, you know, here's a class that's coming around. We should plan to go to it. We never really, unless it was the ADA, we never went anywhere for meetings. And I know I've, I've noticed in the last little bit that, more and more offices are willing to travel for really yeah. good CE, not just, you know, like, like people from Virginia aren't going to the Kansas Dental Association, but, but they're willing to travel for um, focused meetings like the Dentrix, like business of dentistry, like ADOM, for example, like they're willing right. to travel for it. But I think it's, it's a matter of those conferences really tailoring it. And I think that's why the the state associations, they're kind of already at a, at a, deficit with that because they have to please everybody. And it's really hard to do that with budgets and, and all. But the fact that they're bringing more and more business classes, I mean, that's definitely been a big trend that I've seen over the years. But I still like I just opened up one state association's meeting book and there was zero, zero business classes. And, and this is a major state. And I was really just shocked by that, that in this day and age, you're still not addressing that. So um, I think there's still a ways to go, but yeah, your, so now your stuff is all available online anytime on demand. I love that you even have like a little chat box that pops up. So like nobody gets out of there if they go onto your site, right? Like you've got them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to start talking to you. We're going to answer questions you have. There's no reason to not connect with us. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Um, so now we, I just talked about something that's really huge for both of us. And I totally, you know, like we should have talked about this earlier, but ADOM is one of the reasons we know each other too. Um, right. So ADOM, American Association of Dental Office Management, um, annual session is always, you know, a lot of fun. But the one thing that you and I have in common is we're in a private Facebook group. It's invitation only, and you have to be a dental spouse and a member of ADOM to be in this group. So if you are a dental spouse listening and you are interested in this group, you have to be a member of ADOM. Let them know you're a spouse. Um, and they do check. They do check. I know when I was working with ADOM, I was the one that had to check. Um, but we're all in that group and, uh, it, I actually started that group for ADOM. So I'm kind of a legacy member in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for any dental spouses that are in that group that are listening, hi, uh, love that you guys are listening to the podcast and we love you. But one of the things about, my, I'm just going to plug my group. That's my favorite group on Facebook. And I was actually looking the other day and there's only a few hundred of us in there versus some of the ones that are thousands, but it's mm-hmm. my go-to group. So I hope all dental spouses, you know, join ADOM and get into that group. It's been oh, amazing. Super. Super, super smart people, man. I mean, Katie, honestly, um, Katie Swiftly, she should 
just open her own consulting agency, she would be like the number one consultant in the country because she is so smart. Um, her and Michael Cruz, can you imagine they I, go on into <laughs> practice? Yeah, Michael Cruz, yeah, he, he's amazing. They're all, everybody's amazing. And it's been, and, and that's a, we talked about this earlier, uh, you and I, but like, there, there's no way not to get connected with a group that's out there for you. I mean, yeah. there's dental office managers, there's ADON, there's dental spouses, there's dental peeps, there's, there's dental whatever. There, there's so many groups. The one thing I would, I would be careful of, and the reason I love the dental spouses group is um, sometimes you get so many people in a group, people think they know what they're talking about and they give advice and it's not necessarily the best advice. So yeah. just make sure that, um, you know, and, and it's funny, I see people put out, what should I do about this legal thing? And people are given legal advice. And I'm like, you can't do that. You don't know the laws of their state. So just be really careful of that. But there's, yeah. you can get on and just be like, oh my gosh, I've had the day of, a oh my, let me tell you. And you're going to get people who will help you and, and, you know, give you a little, you know, good job or whatever, which we didn't have, you know, when I started as an office manager. It, it just cracks me up. My favorite is when someone says, I need to, I need a personnel manual. Can someone just send me theirs? <laughs> and, yeah. and, and there's a million people that are like, yeah, let me send you mine. I'm going, wait, are you, what are you doing? Like, this is 101 yeah. management, you know? Um, but I brought up, I brought up the spouses group because, you know, you're, you know, you have that, that knowledge base. Um, what if there's a dental spouse listening in the, in the audience and maybe she's not a member of ADOM and she's going to go and become one, but what do you think just not knowing this person, what do you think a common thread is among spouses that are working in the practice with their, with their partner? Um, well, there's pros and cons of it, of course. I mean, the dental spouse is, is going to have the doctor's back more than anyone because at the end of the day, that's their business too. Mm -hmm. um, but I used to tease about this just so everybody listening. I'm actually no longer a dental spouse, but they also let me stick in there too. So um, <laughs> I, I was for a very, very long time all through dental school. So I, I know what, what it, that we go through. But um, I used to joke about this when I talk is that we also have to go home with the dentist. And if you're an office manager, not married to the dentist, thank goodness when it's six o'clock and you can go home and you don't have to see him again until tomorrow. Some days <laughs> we, we don't have that option. Um, so there's pros and cons. I mean, you know, the biggest thing that's what I found. And the reason I loved the group was just to understand that, you know, if the day goes well at the office, it's usually great at home. If the day went really bad at the office, well, that's coming home with us a lot of times. And how do we separate, you know, the, how do we separate business and, and, and work? So yeah. um, that was the thing that I've, I've seen a lot of that and, you know, managing teams and all that, but I see all that across all the dental groups. I think, you know, team managing teams and employee issues, I think is the number one what number one issue that I see asked a lot about. Isn't that funny? Cause somebody was telling me that just based on the amount of questions that they see online and Facebook, that insurance is the number one issue. And I said, no, no, you need to look deeper because at the end of the day, it's not really about the insurance. It's about the fact that your employee doesn't want to talk insurance or your employee isn't good at talking about insurance or, you know, there's a, there's a spat between the front and the back. And and that's what we're going to talk about in Yankee is how can assistants, you know, be in both places and help out and, and case presentation, and all that. But it's it's never it, insurance is not the issue. It's it's how it's handled. And so it's it's the people. It's definitely the people. Um, another reason why they need to pick up your book and take a look at that, because that accountability section, it hits hard when you're reading it and you kind of think it's about you. Um, I can I just I have a couple of dentists in mind when I read it and I thought, you know, I hope I hope that they take this part. I hope they made it this far in the book and read this because it's powerful and it makes you think about, you know, what am I doing here? And that's the, really the good purpose of, of 
that's the purpose of a book, of a good book to get you to think. So thank you. And you know, the funny story about that is when I first, first launched the book, it was at Rocky Mountain Dental uh, Conference last January. Yes, and it I was, remember the oh, champagne in the, in the booth. Yeah. And I remember that. Yeah. And you know, like when you wrote your book, I'm sure you thought the same thing. Like, are people going to read this? Are yes. they going to like it? It's, yeah. it's like, you know, so I had a, you know, I was signing books and I had an office manager who got a free book because we gave away books. And then, and then the next day she came up, she said, can you sign it for my doctor? And I said, sure. What's your doctor's name? And I wrote it. And I said, what, do, what would you like me to write? And she said, please read all the highlighted parts. <laughs> she had read the whole book and went through and highlighted all the things she wanted her doctor to read. Cause you know, which I think is great. I mean, if she's thinking he won't read it, at least read this stuff so we can start talking about what issues we have in the practice. But I thought that was so great. Please read all the highlighted parts. <laughs> That's adorable. That's And you know what? As, as a dentist, if that manager came to me, there's two reasons. Why right? The first reason would be she's highlighting it because she's sick and tired of explaining it over and over again. But really, oh, the, the underlying reason is that she cares about the practice. And mm-hmm. wants it to succeed. I mean, I think that's wonderful. But yeah, you're right. To go home and read that whole book in one night, that's incredible. Good for you. <laughs> right? I know. I mean, and that's what I, and a little plug for your book. I'm sure everybody who's listening has, has read your book. But I, I remember the first time I went to see you speak, it was at ADOM. And I thought, oh, I should probably go to insurance. But oh, I hate insurance. <laughs> And the thing I love, I see you every single time when, when I can, because you make it interesting, you make it fun, you make it real, stuff they can take back. And that the same thing with your book. When I, th- I heard your book was coming out and I thought, oh, it's going to be all about insurance. And it's not. I mean, and it's such an easy read. When I, I mean, I give away a copy of your book every time I speak and I tell everybody in the audience, this should be a book club, re- you know, a book like mm-hmm. your entire team should read this book and talk about it because it helps case acceptance. Yeah. And, you know, patients aren't just asking the insurance coordinator about their insurance. They're asking the hygienist, the assistants and the dentist. And we all should be on the same page. It's a team okay. effort. Um, so I, I have the same thing about your book. I think it's just a everybody should read it. And I think the whole team should read it together and and talk about it. How do you want to do this in the practice? And the other book I really, um, I love to kind of push out is um, Rachel's book. So, cause Rachel Mm -hmm. Wall, it's all about hygiene. And I think from, as a manager who kind of understood hygiene, I understood the codes behind it, just the making it work in the practice has always been just a huge question mark. So um, if if anybody's listening and they've read my book, they've read your book, that would probably be the next one. And then I think everybody should get Kevin's book is um, for dental assisting. And actually, I was a former dental assistant, so I kind of connected a little bit with it. But I was a really bad dental assistant. So, um. (laughs) yeah, me too. They kicked me out as soon as I got back there. The other one, I think, too, is Rita Zamora's um, Mm -hmm. uh, social media Facebook uh, book. Yeah. Um, There's so many books now. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and definitely- she 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 was the one um, when I first started out. Her and I connected because there were maybe like five dental blogs at the time, and I was one of them, and she was one of them. And we met at an ADMC meeting years and years ago, Academy of Dental Management Consultants. And we were new; we were first new time members. And the only way she reached out to me ahead of time, she's like, "Oh my gosh, I read your blog. You know, let's meet." And we've been friends ever since then. So social media and blogging have been really a good source for my career. And like you're saying, video worked really well for you. I guess what I want to do is call out if anybody's looking to do what we do. Um, first, talk to us because it may not actually be what you think it is. But <laughs> but if you want to do what we do, you have to be visible. You have to get out there. So be comfortable with the camera, be comfortable with the blogging, be comfortable with all that stuff. I, I know you're going to get questions about how do you do 
what you do till yeah. till you retire. That's just the nature of this business, right? Um, yeah. So we maybe you we know what? create an FAQ, like just hand it out. That'd be great. <laughs> and just to um, put a little plug out there, I mean, just right now, right while we're re- actually recording this, there's a group, a uh, third year conference, I think, Voices of Dentistry, mm. and it's specific to podcasts. But now, there, I'm shocked. I mean, I'm not besides you, of course, and Adam Radio. I don't listen to podcasts. Like uh-huh. I just that's never been in part of my thing. But I know a ton of dentists do. Mm-hmm. And every year there's new podcasts focused on, you know, there's hygiene and there's assistant, you know, DA uh, radio, what uh, Kevin Henry's uh, yeah. Ignite DA. And so we can all be growing in our positions. We can all be learning. And if you've got a voice or something to say, you know, I mean, it can't be repetitive of whatever anybody else says. Like mm-hmm. I'm not saying anything. That's what everybody, I'm teaching something new at, at a different level. And I have a different voice just like you. So um, there's just, there, like I said, there's no excuse to be learning nowadays. Is that, is that a, a maybe a, a possible project for you? Like project number 71? Is that something you're thinking about? Nope. <laughs> nope, not at all. I have so many projects in my head and, and it's funny. People have asked me, no, not at all. I want to work on my second book. We're adding new content to front office rocks. We're going to add back office uh, customer service training. Fantastic. Um, yeah. So I, I have a lot of, there's still a lot of training that needs to be done in the dental offices. And my focus is really on that. So I love talking to people like you who have amazing content and, and offering it out to people. But yeah, I don't really have an, shockingly enough, Teresa, I don't really have a, you know, a reason I need to talk anymore. So I, I'm passing on that. <laughs> well, and you know, you, you are now, um, I saw that you now have a, a grand dog. Is this true? I do. Yes. I'm getting to that. See, we're not supposed to be talking about age here. So oh, no, yeah, no, no. My, grand uh, dog, meaning it's a very grand dog. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yes, exactly. So yeah, you know, when I started, I remember when we started, when we opened our first dental office, my kids, they're a year apart and they were in the stroller Wow. and we were building the walls and stuff. And now uh, my daughter is 19 and, and is a part-time employee of front office rocks and she's been a dental assistant. And, you know, so to look over the years and just, it's not only about, you know, I had my first child 13 months. I had later, I had my second child and a year later we opened the dental office, which became my third child. Wow. So um, yeah, you know, we, and you've been the same, I'm sure with your son, just watching, you grow and them grow. It's a great thing. Yeah. There's lots of ups and downs for sure. But it's, you know, at the end of the day, I think we both love what we're doing. So, um, and, and I just, I, you know, I'm a dog person. I saw that you kind of went a little nuts when you got your dog pictures. I'd never had seen you gush over a dog before. So I was really cracking up when you had it on social media. Well, I'm thinking that a grand dog is a lot like a grandbaby. I don't have one of those yet. Knock on wood, not for a while, but they're fun to play with. And then I got a call after I left and she called me and he was sick and throwing up all over the apartment and they had to clean it up. And I'm like, Oh, that's, I'm sorry, honey. Like, so it's like, you know, you play with them and then have fun with them, send them toys, but then they get to take care oh, of them. That's a great point. <laughs> right? That's funny. All right. So we're going to wrap up because we've talked for a solid hour, which is really just no shocker because we can do that with our eyes closed. Right. <laughs> um, Front Office Rocks, I'm going to put a lot of show links in. So I'm going to put in Front Office Rocks. Uh, I know that you're a big fan of Dental Intel, so we'll put make sure that we have a link in there for that. Um, We'll have links to the book. And so that way you can uh, get a copy for yourself. And then also, Laura, do you have a spot on your site for your speaking schedule because I'd like to link that. I know I you're on the road and I think people just yep. need to come hear you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. There's if if you go to my site on the top on the top right in the menu it says live events okay. um and my meeting events okay. for sure. And then 
there's live chat, like you said, right on my site. So I have a team now. It's not just me. I have a team that helps me. And if, if anybody listening to this has a question or a, they, a comment or they want to connect with me or need to know something that we talked about, you know, I'm available because I'm really, really trying to be a resource for dentists and front office team members to, you know, for whatever they need. So please, you know, feel free to reach out to me that well, way. Well, and my bad, because I totally forgot to mention the resource that you were really generous enough to give. And because I talk about insurance, she has um, a, a little gift for you all. If you, I'll put it in the links. It's your um, talking about leaving a PPO. Uh, so do you want to yeah. give just a quick rundown of what that is? Yeah. So uh, again, just so everybody knows, I'm not in insurance. Teresa is my go-to for insurance people. Teresa and, and Colleen are who I go to. Colleen sure. who's also great with insurance. Yep. Um, but I got asked, of course, all the time, how do we get on a network? How do we get on a network? And I started our first practice. We were in network for eight PPOs and eventually we became fee for service. And then I opened in Southern California, a fee for service office. So that, which is unheard of in Southern California. So I've dealt with all the insurance and getting out of network. And I know what it's like in network versus not being in network. So I wrote a white paper and it's probably, it, it complements what you give out, which I think is great because mine is more focused on not only figuring out which insurance is in what order, but more of how do you train your team to talk to patients about it? When do you let the patients know, you know, how do you handle when they say, well, you're going to be out of network for my next cleaning, you know? So it's more of the, the for the front office team to help prepare them for when you're, when you're going out of network. And so I wanted to offer that to your listeners. Well, I really appreciate that. And it gels, you know, with a lot of what I talk about. So I hope that it's helpful for everybody out there. This, this year, 2019, I think is going to be a big year for a lot of you. Um, just based on the feedback I'm getting and, uh, hopefully you can catch Laura on the road. I just, I think she's phenomenal, has so much fun. I have so much fun listening to you in, in the audience. I don't get to do it enough, to be honest. So I'm really thrilled to be able to per, uh, present with you coming up at, at Yankee. And uh, Front Office Rocks, you want to check that out because the this is the way you train nowadays. Um, closing down the office to bring in a, a trainer is fine, but if you want them to learn on their own, it shows their motivation and it's there. I mean, it's just, you have a gazillion videos. Like, what is it? Like a gazillion and one videos right now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Over 200 videos on the basic foundation courses and we have mastery courses and webinars and all of that. Yeah. So, so you, you definitely get lots of access to a lot of training. Yeah. So if your person says to you, I, you know, I know everything, then let's just call BS on it right then and there. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. I'm all about that. So, all right. So until, uh, thank, well, first of all, thank you very much, Laura. I, I so appreciate you being on here. This has just been a blast. Like I knew it would. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. This was great. That uh, An hour went by super fast. Mm -hmm. So I hope it's the same for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. And so for everybody listening, I appreciate you tuning in as always. Uh, if you, if you love this episode, if you love the podcast, make sure to tell your friends about it because viewers are, you know, I love hearing that people are listening to the podcast. You have any feedback, if you'd like to be a guest, hit, hit me up. We've got links in the show notes for it. And I'd love to hear from you. So until the next episode, take care. Subscribe to this podcast so you'll get our next candid discussion. Visit Teresa's website, odysseymgmt.com. That's odysseymgmt.com for more information on Teresa's courses, books, and speaking schedule. Subscribe to her newsletter while you're there. Don't say we didn't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs>